Hey, it's me. So today there was a little bit of sincere questioning by web developers who are scared about the recent AI revolution. Will their jobs be replaced? How much should they worry about it? And my response was an unequivocal, no, we don't need to worry about it. It'll help you. It's uh, probably going to be very good for most of us. And I think the response or example that I think about the most actually comes from history. When you want to think about how other people react to technological change and how it turned out to be a big fact nothing or in fact an accelerant in the past, you just look to historical examples. The best person to cover this kind of stuff is Jason Pfeiffer, who used to run the Pessimist Archive, which is just a lot of people hand-wringing about technological change because they were, they were afraid of change and that's a, that's a rational fear. But uh, it doesn't really bear out in reality. And so uh, this example is what I think about now whenever I hear people who are worried about their jobs because of technology. So turn of the century, the phonograph, brand new innovation, the very first record player. Consider how completely, insanely revolutionary this was. For all of human history, before the phonograph, if you wanted to listen to music, there was only one way to do it. And that was to be in front of a human being who was playing an instrument. There's no other way. How are you going to listen to music? And then this machine comes along and can do it for you, can play music. Unbelievable. Consumers didn't believe it at first. Like they literally, they had to be shown, like, no, there's not a person behind the wall playing music. Like they had to be shown. And then once they believed it, they loved it. They brought it home. You know who hated this? Yeah. I don't know. Musicians. Yeah. Musicians hated it. (laughs) Hated it because they saw themselves being replaced. Here that, you know, they see this new technology doing the thing that they do and they see change and they equate change with loss. And they say, we got to stop this, right? They pull a margarine. <laughs> and the leader of the resistance was this guy named John Philip Sousa. John Philip Sousa, you may not know his name, but you know his music because it's still around today. All the military marches, da, 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 John Philip Sousa. You know why we know who he is? Because we have recordings of the music. Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So John Philip Sousa, he at the time was the leader of the resistance against recorded music. He wrote this amazing piece. Like, Google it because it is hilarious. It's called The Menace of Mechanical Music. It ran in Appleton's Magazine in 1906. And it contains all of these wonderful arguments against recorded music. And my favorite goes like this. He says, when you bring recorded music into the home, it will be the end of all forms of live performance in the home. Because why would anybody perform music in the home when now there's a machine that can do it for them? So now, because we're going to extrapolate loss, remember I talked about that earlier, right? Like you see change is lost, then you extrapolate the loss. So what's next? Well, he says, because people are no longer performing music at home, mothers will no longer sing to their children. Quite the jump. Yeah, quite the jump. Why would they do that when a machine could do it? Here's another jump. Because children grow up imitating their mothers, the children will grow up to imitate the machines and thus we will raise a generation of machine babies. That was his argument. <laughs> like a real thing that okay. people took seriously. I feel like it's fun to like laugh at John Philip Sousa for this, but also I sure. feel like what he's doing is pretty relatable. It is relatable. It's very human. It's very human. You have something, and it works for you, and then you see some change come along, and you feel like this change is existential. It is going to outmode you. So he tried to stop it. And it's worth asking ourselves in this moment, Three simple questions. Number one, what is this new thing that's happening? Number two, what new habit or skill are we learning as a result? And then number three, how can that be put to good use? Because if you do that, it just helps you reframe any moment of change as let's focus on the gain. Is there some kind of gain that we can extrapolate? Maybe it's not as easy to see as the loss, but is it there? And what would it look like? 
Because if you ran that scenario with John Philip Sousa, what you would see is, well, okay, what new thing are people doing? Well, what they're doing is they're now listening to music on these machines whenever they want. What new habit or skill are we learning as a result? We're learning that we have control or consumers have a lot more control over the music that they listen to and therefore also have access to a lot more music because before the only music that they could get was whoever happened to be able to travel to their town and perform for them. How could that be put to good use? Well, come on, guys. Come on, John Phillips. Susan. like, this means that you could record something yourself and you could sell it. And now people can listen to and enjoy your music and you can monetize that in ways that are much more scalable than what you're doing now, because you're coming from a world in which the only thing that you do is perform for people that you can get in front of. And that means that you have a limited number of people that you can get in front of. But if you can change that dynamic, then man, oh man, suddenly your economic ability skyrockets. As it turns out, John Philip Sousa was protecting a system that limited his own economic ability. And the reason he was doing that was because he was panicking because of change. And once he figured it out, he changed his tune. That is not meant to be a pun, but there it is. Uh, yeah, I see but, what you did there. You are a dad indeed. There it yeah. is. I'm, I'm nailing it. Uh, I got all the dad jokes. And he started to record himself and he started to perform on radio and he changed. And this is something we all need to be mindful of. There is gain in change and we need to run ourselves through these things that can just help us focus on it. All right. That's it. That's the clip. And of course, the musicians and singers, even though their music is cloned and pirated and free essentially on Spotify and YouTube and whatever um, are still even more powerful than they used to be before because of the superstar effects because they can get discovered on these all these new mediums and uh, they found out ways to keep selling live tickets even though people could hear probably better studio quality versions of their songs they just want to see people see them live uh, so that business did not go away uh, they just decoupled the distribution from uh, the uh, performance and uh, that made musicians a lot richer. And I think uh, that the rest of the interview and the rest of the conversation between Jason and Jordan Harbinger uh, is really worthwhile as well. I actually nearly clipped more of it, uh, but I wanted to keep this one short because I intend to publicize it. Um, so I'm going to leave it there for now. If you want to check it out, basically the rest of the conversation went into how uh, your self-conception is a limiting feature. If you only think of yourself as... Uh, let's say you're a programmer and you worry about AI. If you think about yourself as a person who types every single letter, every single character of the program, uh, then you are threatened. But if you think of yourself more as someone who delivers software using whatever tools available, then AI becomes a tool and not a threat.